Don't you just love the uh, the announcements? I'm sure Mark does a great <laughs> great job of the announcements. It, you know, I was thinking earlier on about the announcements, and um, I, it, it reminds me of a story that I heard some years ago about uh, about the leadership of the church, and they uh, they they got together, and one of the items on the agenda was. Uh, how can we make the announcements more interesting? <laughs> because they because they decided that um, they decided that there are some people who switch off during the announcements and they you know they don't listen. Um, I'm sure that's not true of anybody here. <laughs> but anyway, they uh, one of the suggestions at this uh, at this leadership meeting was that they. Um, is that they uh, get someone to sing the announcements. <laughs> Don't worry, Mark. <laughs> That's it. And, uh, and, and so they decided that they were, you know, that they were going to uh, ask uh, amongst the congregation to see if there was any volunteers. And uh, I'm not sure whether they got any volunteers, but, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, there are people in the congregation who think they've got a good voice, but they haven't really. <laughs> And uh, it reminded me of that, um, you know, the girl who was uh, who, who was uh, asked to leave the choir. You know, she thought she'd got a good... She was in the school choir and she thought she'd got a good voice. And um, she... Uh, the, the, the one day she went home and she said, well, she said, uh, I've been thrown out of the choir. And her mom says, well, why have you been thrown out of the choir? She says, well, I, I can't understand it. She said, last week the choir leader told me that I've got a voice like a nightingale. <laughs> anyway, the, the mom was a little bit put out about this, so she she went to the school and asked if she could have a word with the person who led the choir. And the uh, and so she did, and, uh, and and she said, I can't understand why you said my last week you told my daughter she got a voice like a nightingale, and she said, and the choir leader said, well. I didn't actually say she got a voice like a nightingale. I said she got a voice like a gale in the night. <laughs> but don't worry, we're not going to ask you to sing the announcements. I'd like you to turn with me, please, to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Reading from verse 1. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Be imitators of God, therefore as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality, or of any kind of impurity, or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, 
or greedy person, such a man is an idolater, as any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. God will bless to our hearts the reading of his precious word. Um, We continue this morning on our series, which has obviously stretched for quite uh, a long time, um, on the fruit of the Spirit. Now, um, there was a verse, I don't know whether you noticed the verse on the the screen uh, earlier on, talking about us as Christians bearing fruit. John 15, verse 8, Jesus, the words of Jesus, he said, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. And if we uh, turn to uh, the book of Galatians in chapter 5, once again we read those, uh, those words. In um, from verse 19 of Galatians chapter 5, it says, The acts of the sinful nature are obvious sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so we've looked through those particular fruit of the Spirit, uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and today we come to goodness, which is number six in the list. Now, it's hard to define what the word good is. Most people would consider themselves to be good, there are those who think that anyone who is anyone who is regarded as good is someone who keeps themselves on the right side of the law, uh, and their goodness is obvious, and also they're they're a respectable person. But the Greek word, which is agathosune, which means essential goodness. Goodness in the inner parts. Goodness 
is similar to kindness, which we had a look at last time. And it first becomes an attitude before it becomes an action. Deep down goodness is not something that we shout about or brag about, but it is it unconsciously proclaims itself. Now, one thing as Christians that we should be aiming for is to be more like Jesus. You see, the Bible tells us that God is conforming us into the image of his Son. And that's a process. And each one of us is a work in progress. We, we, we haven't come to that place where we've arrived. We know it all. We've gained all that knowledge and we're, uh, and we're at that place. We're at that pinnacle. You see, we're always learning. And it is important for you and I as Christians to maintain a teachable spirit. So we're always ready and always willing to learn something more about the Lord and about his precious word. And that's why the fruit of the Spirit is so important. And I've read this to you before, the, uh, this interpretation of the fruit of the Spirit. And I'm going to read it to you again, just to remind you. It says, The fruit of the Spirit is an affectionate, lovable disposition, a radiant spirit, and a cheerful temper, a tranquil mind, and a quiet manner, a forbearing patience in provoking circumstances with trying people, a sympathetic insight and <coughs> tactful helpfulness, generous judgment, loyalty and reliability under all circumstances, humility that forgets self in the joy of others. That's a challenge, isn't it? Forget self in the joy of others. In all things, self-mastered and self-controlled, which is the final mark of perfecting. Now, the Bible tells us in the Word, in God's Word, it tells us that God is good. Do you believe that God is good? Yeah. Amen. God is good. And I think if we can conceive of the fact that God is good, do you have any doubts that God is good? I can, uh, I, I can remember when, as a young Christian, I, I had doubts as to whether God is really as good as what the Bible says he is. And I can remember, I'd, I'd only been a Christian for uh, you know, just over a year, and uh, you know, I was a, I was a young teenager at the. Yeah, I became a Christian just a few days before my fourteenth birthday, and um, and the, um, the there was a lad who lived next door to me. I wouldn't say that he was a close friend, but we did. We used to go swimming together and. Uh, you know, a few things. Um, and what happened was that he was diagnosed with leukemia. Now, bearing in mind that I'm going back to 1964, 
Now, if someone was diagnosed with leukemia in 1964, it was more or less a death sentence. And this lad, Alan, he was, uh, he was diagnosed with leukemia. And, um, and of course, the, you know, the first thing we did as a church was to, uh, to pray, to make sure that we prayed for him on a regular basis. But not only that, but other people were informed about the situation, and they were all, and a, a lot of people were praying for him. Um, now, I, I can remember thinking, well, you know, I believe that he, he, he's going to get well, He'll, you know, God, God will heal him, he'll get, you know, he'll get better recover from this leukemia. Uh, but um, a few months later, just uh, short, just a few days short of his 17th birthday, he passed away. And I tell you what, that shook my faith. Because people were sort of uh, really encouraging us, the leadership of the church were encouraging us to pray and believe for a healing. But it didn't happen. It didn't happen. And I thought, well, God, are you really who you say you are? God, are you really as good as what the Bible says you are? And so I had a doubt. And I doubted the goodness of God. I have to say that over the years, I've learned not to doubt the goodness of God. Because God is sovereign. God is sovereign. And there are times in our lives when we need to accept that. Even though things that happen that we do not understand. God is good. And we need to convince ourselves of that. It was William Sangster who was a preacher and um, author of a bygone age. He said this. Goodness is the impression a Christian makes as he or she moves on their way, blissfully unaware that they are reminding people of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I think that's a good motto, isn't it? Remind people of Jesus Christ. That they might see Jesus in us. That they might see what Jesus has done in our lives when they meet us. You see, the fruit of the Spirit and the fruit of goodness, it's not something that we can manufacture. But once again, like the rest of the fruit of the Spirit, it flows out of a, a close relationship with Jesus. And the closer we get to Jesus the more of the fruit of goodness will be evident in each one of our lives. It's the fruit of our relationship with Christ and it manifests itself as we die to self. Now I'm sure some of you, have heard, if not most of you, have heard of George Muller. Now George Muller, who lived in Bristol, he cared for so many orphans and he was said to demonstrate the fruit of goodness to a remarkable degree. George Muller was once asked, he was once asked what he considered to be the power behind his ministry and his reply was simple and this was his reply. 
He said, there was a day when I died to George Muller. His preferences, tastes and will died to the world, its approval or censure. Since then, I have studied only to show myself approved to God. Those who produce the fruit of goodness are those who have died to their own interests and returned to live for Christ. Galatians 2 and verse 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. That's a real challenge, isn't it? Dead to sin and alive in Christ. In Romans chapter 6, the Apostle Paul teaches that when Christ died on the cross of Calvary, that all died in him. But because he came back from the dead, we must now apply ourselves to appropriating his resurrection power and allow it to work in us to overcome self and sin. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24, it says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. Some may state that they're doing good turns all their lives. Some people outside of Christianity, they say, well, I, if, I can't do, if I can't do someone a good turn, then I won't do them a bad one. But you see, the problem, the problem is that they might, be doing good, they might be doing good deeds, but self is still at the centre. And it's possible to lapse into the sin of independence depending on themselves and not on God. There's an incident in the life of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18, and Jesus told a parable. Now, Jesus often told parables to illustrate his point. And it says here in Luke 18 and verse 9, to some who were confident of their own righteousness. So the parable was aimed at a certain group of people. It was aimed at the ones who were confident of their own righteousness. And it says, to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else. Now, of course, there were the, the Pharisees who were around at the time of Christ, and these were such people. Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. You see, the Pharisees, they, 
like people to see what they did. They like people to acknowledge them. Oh, these are the spiritual people, if you like. But here we find a tax collector. And he says that he wouldn't even look up to heaven. But he bowed down and he said, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. And that is the place that we all have to come to, where we realize that we are sinners before God. If you remember last week when uh, Brother Paul Elise was here and preached a, a really powerful sermon, and he mentioned about those who are trusting in their own good works to get them to heaven. You see, the thing about it is, if we could get to heaven through our own good works, then it wouldn't have been necessary for Jesus to come and to die on the cross of Calvary. We can't make it ourselves. We can't get to where he was. So he came to where we were. And that was why he died on the cross. You see, this kind of goodness where people say, well, I'm a good person. And most people think they're good, don't they? If you challenge someone and say, well, well, uh, and you ask them if they're going to heaven when they die, they'll say, well, I say, well, why are you going to heaven? Why, you know, why do you think God will allow you to go to heaven when you die? And a lot of people will say, well, it's because I, I, I'm good. I, I'm always good to people. I do this and I do that. And they think that because they do good works, that one day they will be allowed into the kingdom of God. The Bible doesn't teach that at all. The Bible says that we all must come the way of the cross. We all must repent of our sin and receive Jesus Christ as our own personal saviour. You see, if you're trusting in your own good works alone, then that will keep you out of heaven. Because Jesus is the only way. That, that is why he came. To seek and to save that which was lost. It becomes self-interest. We need to recognize that he is the only way to heaven. So the, the essential fruit of goodness is being produced in us as we go on with the Lord from day to day and as we continue to communicate with him. Remember what Jesus said in, the, uh, in John 15, which we, have, which we have looked at a few times during this series, that Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. Except you abide in me, you can do nothing. Without me, you can do nothing. And so we must make sure that we abide in Christ. Now, some of you may have heard of Catherine Booth. She was the wife of William Booth, who was the founder of the Salvation Army. And along with her husband, they founded the, the Salvation Army. And um, at the age of 59, Catherine Booth was, was uh, diagnosed with a terminal illness. And... Um, and she knew that this terminal illness would end her life. Slowly, through two years of great pain, she knelt at the side of her husband. 
And this is the words that she said, and these words are recorded. Do you know what was my first thought? That I should not be there to nurse you at your last hour. Her first thought was not for herself. It was for her husband. And it's this kind of self-forgetfulness that is not manufactured, but produced by the indwelling Holy Spirit. Many throughout history have demonstrated the fruit of goodness. And as we said before, die to self, the centre of our lives, the centre of our lives had shifted from self to Christ. And that's why we surrender to goodness. We surrender to goodness. John 15 verse 5 says, He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. And that fruit includes goodness. Yes, there is a type of goodness that is self-achieved. But this goodness that we're talking about this morning in the list of the fruit of the Spirit, it's a spiritual goodness. And it's not the goodness that the world show, but this is pure goodness. Goodness is there to some degree in all Christians who are in touch with the Lord, growing in Him. But in those who have died to self, it is there in overflowing measure. That is the difference. 1 Peter 2 and verse 12. It says, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Live such good lives that they may see your good deeds and not give you a pat on the back and say, well done, but that they might glorify God that they might give him the glory for what for the change that he has made in your lives and for the goodness that is in you, that supernatural goodness. You see, it's not so much the talk, but the walk. Good works can often be played down because we know that we're not saved by works. It tells us in Ephesians 2 that uh, by grace you are saved through faith. And that is not of yourselves. It is not of works, lest anyone should boast. We know that. We know that good works can never save us. But that doesn't mean to say that if we're Christians, that we don't have to do any good works. Because that would be... You see, we, we do good works not to be saved but because we are saved. That is the difference. In the book of Colossians, in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 10, we read these words. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 10. It says, And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord. And may please him in every bearing fruit, in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge 
of God. And so it is important. Good works are important. We know they won't save us, but they are important. And this goodness, which comes from the Holy Spirit, should be evident in our lives. But you see, the Bible talks about the right kind of good works. It's important. You see, Jesus had something to say about this, didn't he? He said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So in yearning for the fruit of goodness, remember that it doesn't come by striving to be good, but surrendering to goodness and dying to self. And then the, and then the fruit of the Spirit, not just the love, joy and peace and all the rest, but the fruit of goodness will be evident in each one of our lives. Let's pray. Father God, we want to thank you for what you have done in our lives. And Lord, we pray that you will help us day by day to produce more of the fruit of the Spirit. We pray, Lord, that we might be good, not for the sake of being good, but so that people might see the evidence of your love and your grace and of your power working in each one of our lives. Help us, Lord, to demonstrate those, that fruit of the Spirit. May people see in us something that is different as you continue working on us, as you continue refining us, so that day by day, each one of us might become more like Jesus. These prayers we ask in his precious name. Amen. Amen.